Hi, Dan. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm great. Uh, looking forward to talking about virtual staffing, virtual assistance, and you know, it's a great, a, a great topic for conversation. Got it. Um, I just want to ask, like, you know, before we were going to proceed to the question, like, where are you now? Um, where, where did you, you know, where are you located? How many months or years you're here in Philippines? Right. Okay. So my name is Dan Meyer, and I um, am a virtual staffing expert. Um, I've been doing business in the Philippines for about 12 years now. Um, I've been very involved in the BPO industry. I actually used to own a call center. Um, I've done a lot of training for the BPO industry on analytics and data analysis. And um, I was doing that predominantly for the first 10 years that I was here in the Philippines, mostly staying here in the Philippines. So since 2011, up until the pandemic, um, I was doing that. However, during the pandemic, um, there was an opportunity uh, to kind of pivot to virtual assisting. I'd always had a sideline business with a few virtual assistants, um, but to actually grow a business really was something that, that started when the pandemic started because I saw an opportunity for business owners in the U.S. to be matched with virtual assistants in the Philippines. So for the last two and a half years, I've been doing that, the virtual staffing. And um, basically, you know, what I do is I connect uh, the talent here in the Philippines to the need um, with businesses in the U.S. Got it. So um, where did, like, you know, where did it start? Like, you have already um, agency or where did you, where did agency, like, located? Where, where does, where located here in Philippines? Gotcha. So originally, when I first moved here, I lived in Makati and, and set up an office. Um, but I found that uh, it was better to live in Ortigas. So when I set up a call center, we set it up in Ortigas. And as the, we, we grew the call center, we also started growing a virtual uh, business in parallel. So a virtual BPO. And um, so that's been going since 2013. Um, when I come to the Philippines, I spend most of my time in Ortigas, but I do travel around the country quite a bit. Um, and then I go back to the U.S. every once in a while to market the business to American clients. But I've been to over a dozen provinces, uh, being able to speak in front of schools and in front of business groups and trying to help people figure out how to get started as a virtual assistant or to grow the virtual assistant business. So having an agency like, I, like I've set up, I can speak to what it means to be a virtual assistant to set up an agency, to try to find American clients. So those are the topics that I cover in my talks. So um, how many employees or how many VAs do you have right now? So currently <laughs> I have a, right. So currently I have about 80. Uh, wow. about 50, yeah, it's a, it's a big business, but half of it, almost 50 of them are actually a virtual BPO. Um, it's a spinoff from the call center I used to own. And then I have about 30 virtual assistants who are predominantly working part-time uh, mm -hmm. with American clients, doing things like social media and video editing and graphic design. Okay. But mostly it would be the marketing part of the BAs, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So next question is, um, how do you define, like, what is success for you? So... Sure. So it's easy. Um, success for me is measured in how many people I help find good paying, long lasting, stable ways to make money. 
um, finding jobs for people is really how I measure my success. So every Filipino that I can help inspire or empower or even and occasionally even hire, um, then those are measurements of success. On the flip side, uh, how many American small business owners I can help, um, how many I, I can help them grow their business. So I measure my success based on the success of, of the VAs and the clients. Got it. So um, I think most of the new people right now coming in the virtual assistant um, industry. So I just want to ask, like, this is the question that mostly of the new VAs, you know, do or ask. Like, so what is the difference between um, virtual assistants and freelancer? So what would be the difference for that? Like, because they are confused about it. Like, they they don't know what is what is the difference about the two. Yeah, because there's definitely some gray area. There's some crossover. But I would say if you're if you want to be work from home, if you want to be a home based uh, worker, the first question you ask yourself is, do you want to have your own your, your own business or do you want to have a boss and work for a company and have a, a, an organization around you? If if you like the idea of having you know people that have experience that um, people that will help you find clients, people that will help manage HR issues for you then you're going to be a virtual assistant working for an agency. Um, a freelancer, on the other hand, generally takes jobs um, that pay them, but they don't have any kind of formal uh, HR process. They don't have any benefits. The, the client pays them directly. Um, nobody's helping them find clients. So a freelancer is much more independent. There's also uh, virtual workers, um, which can be confused as well. Mm -hmm. If a company's going to hire someone to work full or part-time for a long term and they want them to be home-based, then there's a virtual worker. So there's a, definitely a blurry line between virtual worker or home-based worker, virtual assistant, and freelancer. But the bottom line is, what do you want to be, your own boss, or do you want to work for part of a company? Perfect. That is um, absolutely um, great um, answer. So um, I will gonna um, you know include about the success. So I will I will second the motion for the um, second question about it. Like why is important to celebrate success, especially those new BAs or new freelancer that you know currently um, joining our industry. So why is it important for you to celebrate success? So I think having set up my own business um, and my first business failed, um, it was a, a training company that didn't work. And I replaced it with another training company that did work. Um, I learned a lot from that failure. And, and that failure taught me one thing um, above all else. I can't do it alone. I need to delegate to be able to grow a business. So when I launched my second company, the first thing I did was hire a couple of virtual assistants from here in the Philippines to be able to help me grow that business. And it was super successful. Um, but it did take time. It wasn't successful overnight. It took a couple of years. So when you want to talk about celebrating, you want to think about your short-term and your long-term ways you may celebrate. In the short-term, you know, if you get a good client, they give you a bonus. If, you, if you're able to, you know, make more money in a month than you've made before, those are things we're celebrating. But long-term, if you want to really think about, you know, where do you want to go? How, how long do you want to be? a virtual assistant or a freelancer, where does it take you? What's the end game? Um, then you start looking at longer measurements before you celebrate. 
Um, I think one challenge a lot of newbie Filipino virtual assistants have is that it takes longer to find clients. Not every client will pay on time or at all. And some clients are just difficult to work for. They're toxic. So a VA, <laughs> a new VA may think, oh, I'm going to apply for a couple of jobs, get some gigs under my belt, make some money, and everything will be happy. That doesn't happen <laughs> as often as people expect it to. You are correct about it. So um, if new VAs will apply to your company, like, are you strict about that, you know, about hiring them? Like, do you, have, do you, do you also recommend to uh, become them a freelancer or just start from the scratch? So that's a tricky question because you need to get experience to be really effective as a virtual assistant. However, there are virtual assistant jobs and freelancing gigs that you can get with no experience. So you just have to be realistic of what you're good at and be willing to do some things that may not pay the best, do some things for clients that you don't love um, to get that experience. So we generally don't hire virtual assistants without experience because our model requires um, to work them to work fairly independently. Um, even though we have an organization and we have a management team, HR and all that, they're going to have to spend most of their days, you know, kind of like making their own decisions. So they have to have some, some frame of reference of what success looks like, of what they're supposed to accomplish every day. So that, that's why we look for more experienced VAs. However, I do occasionally hire newbie VAs if they have a relevant experience with something else, or occasionally we take on people because the job requirement is such, it doesn't require them to have previous experience. Maybe it's like data encoding or it's internet research or something doesn't have um, a, a requirement to have previous experience. In that. <laughs> Correct. So um, before applying to your company, they need to have experience first. That would be it helps, right? I mean, it, it's the unfortunate thing where if to get experience as a VA, the best thing you can do is just start doing things for your church, your community, your barangay, you know, somebody you know that has a business, do some social media, make some videos, do something that you can put on a resume. It doesn't have to be a virtual assistance experience. Mm -hmm. It has to be something irrelevant to the skill that you want to be employed in. In short, those skills can learn on those um, on those experiences that they have in the community, in the church, or other things, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, perfect. So next thing is, what is the biggest achievement achievement of Dan Mayer this year? So this year, general, yeah, this year. <clears throat> so um, back getting back to face to face trainings. After two and a half years almost of not being able to do face-to-face -face trainings, I think my biggest success is having done several so far. Um, we were fortunate enough in Davao recently um, to mm. have over 30. Um, I've had a couple other ones with 20. So it's getting back to where it was pre-pandemic, um, where you're able to fill up a room of people. Um, and that's, for me, the most important thing. I, I, I thrive on that. I, I love being able to share my knowledge, empower people, educate them, um, give them hope. Um, so when I can do that face-to-face, -face, it's the most satisfying way that I can do it. And, and I'm just really happy every day that we're back to being able to do that in person. So um, next question is, I know you've been immune to this question, but if you are the one you know, if you are the one who always asks to those who are applying a job, but 
I want to ask you for this question. What is your greatest? Um, what is your greatest greatest track? If there will be um client that you know interviewing with you, so VAs will be know what would be their answer for it. <clears throat> so your greatest strength is recognizing what you can do to contribute to the success of somebody else. So that's a strength that I've been blessed with for most of my life. And it's something that I look for in VAs and try to help. You really can't train it as much as mentor in VAs. The idea that when you, you have an interview with a prospective client, um, you get to know their struggle. You have empathy for them. You've done the research to look at their internet, look at their social media to see what they've been doing. And you come to that interview with a solution that will help them solve their problem. That is what I want to see out of virtual assistants that I hire, that problem-solving mentality, the ability to recognize a concern and find a way to address it. So if, if you're a virtual assistant and you just want to like do simple tasks, if you don't want to be curious, be empathetic, um, if you don't, aren't willing to take you know, some risks with communicating with foreigners, it's going to be hard because the best VAs are the ones that, that can uh, in themselves find the internal strength, or eternal, internal, eternal, internal strength to be able to, you know, okay, I'm nervous, I'm shy, but I got to go for it. Those are the ones that are going to be successful. So, for example, um, there's a new VA that, you know, don't have really experience and they don't have um, colleagues or they don't, they don't have friends that, you know, um, same with virtual assistant, they don't know where to connect. So what would be your first um, suggestion or advice to that VA that don't have really idea what is virtual assistant, where they they will, you know, where they will start and then this, this, they apply to this agency, but they are failure. That, that, that agency didn't accept that VA. Right. So I think, first of all, I, I would say that you have to have a perspective of what you're trying to do. If you're a newbie trying to be a virtual assistant, applying for jobs as a VA for the first time, you are literally competing with millions of other people. Um, so you have to figure out what you can do to make sure you stand out. Uh, for example, when we post a job on Online Jobs PH, we almost immediately, within a couple of days, get over 100 to 200 applicants. Mm-hmm. So everybody's applying for that job is competing with everybody else applying for that job. And the ones that usually get the job are the ones that had done something with their resume, with their cover letter, with their profile, with their portfolio, done something to demonstrate to us that they have the skills that is needed to solve the problem that we have. So you have to be realistic. You know, if, if you apply for a job and don't get it, it's not you. Um, it's just that you got to recognize that there's people out there that are just, you know, have more experience, especially in the areas the job is looking for. And this is where if you get tired of, of being and you get frustrated with applying for things that you don't get, really look closely. If there's a match between the skills that you talk about in your resume, the skills that you are good at and the skills required in the job. A lot of times people will apply for anything. And everything because they just need a job. They're they're fairly desperate. I get that. But as a hiring manager, you want to find somebody with the closest exam, closest match between what I need 
and what you have. And that's where people get, get stuck a lot is they don't change their resume, update their resume, change their portfolio in a way that calls out the specific bullet points of what the job requirements are. So I, I could go on, but that's really what I think of when it's uh, the struggle that new VAs have um, and how quickly they can get frustrated. Um, the advice is, is persistence. Um, mm. is- Correct. And um, next question is, um, what are some unusual skills you have? Like, for example, um, client or hiring manager will ask this question to the client. So, I mean, to the VA. So what would be the best answer for that? Like, what are an what are some unusual skills you have? Well, I'm going to give you two easy ones to start out with. Number one is that sometimes you have the skill, but it doesn't stand out because everybody else has this skill. So you want to do something beyond the skill. Number one, you want to research that company. I've literally done like 2,000 interviews of the Filipino VAs in the last couple of years. And I can tell you very, very few, few of them maybe one out of 10 have actually taken the time before the interview to look at the job description, to look at our website, to really be comfortable. Cause I asked that question in every interview, have you looked at our social media? Did you look us up online? And most say no. And so, I mean, it's, it's easy to do. It takes 30 seconds before the interview starts. And it's something you can do to make sure you stand out above just your skills because skills alone, you're competing with a lot of other people. So besides researching the company or uh, before you do the interview, make sure that what you're applying for, you understand. You probably have a mindset that you could do anything, that you can be a generalist. You can, you know, you, you need to find a job. You'll take whatever you can get. Um, but when you have that mentality, and you're not really good at any one or two things. Then people see that interviewers see that and they go, well, you know, I want somebody who's a specialist, who's experienced, who's got, you know, a lot of skill. So even if you can do everything, when you apply for that job, come ready to talk about one or two things that are in that job description. If I'm going to hire a video editor, I'm going to make sure that video editors edit videos. I'm going to make sure they're comfortable with the software program that we use. I want to make sure that they've edited the style of videos that we need. And if that's if that comes out in the interview and in their portfolio and their resume, then it's a good match. They've got a great chance to get in the job. So the skills matter, but not as much as people think it is. Before the skill, you have to prepare yourself and then position yourself to be able to nail that interview. Um, so I, I think skill wise, um, the biggest way to make money as a, as a VA right now is social media management, especially mm-hmm. doing TikTok short form videos like, you know, TikTok and IG reels. So if you're looking for a skill that basically anyone can do that you want to monetize as a VA, learn how to make really good, you know, short form videos. You know, um, I, I also agree with you. Like it's also a consistency that you have. And then if you have, we have a lot of skills. We don't, we don't yet discover because sometimes people are lazy to discover mm-hmm. everything. So I agree with you about that. Mm-hmm. So next question is, what do you get? Or for example, if the client asks for the VA, what do you get complimented on most? What would be the best answer to that question? 
So <clears throat> um, VAs that are on time, um, that are transparent with their work, um, that are able to uh, not make things up um, and, and mislead the client. And I'll give you a perfect example. There's a, there's a, a challenge a lot of Filipino virtual assistants have. They want to work from home. It's a great way. They'll commute. They can make some more money. It's easy, easy to make a, a find clients. But what do you do that first day you're sick? Or what do you do that first day when you, you just don't want to work today? Your friends tell you they want to go to the mall and you're thinking, ah, I'll just, you know, do that instead of working for the client. Well, the problem is for you, it's just another day of work. You, you've missed it. You can find another, you can come back tomorrow and do it find another client, whatever you think may be your reason why you would, you know, call in sick or, or just ghost the client for the day. The client has hired you to help them grow their business. They are depending on you. And one of the biggest challenges virtual assistants have is that they can't empathize with the client. They don't understand what the client's going through. So when they choose to like, oh, I was sick or, oh, my grandma is in the hospital or, oh, I had to take my my cousin to, to uh, a, a school tour or whatever it may be, if it's not done beforehand, if it's not real, then it's going to lead to bad toxic relationships between you and the client eventually. If you want time off, tell them, ask them, make, be it up front. If, if you miss work for some reason, be transparent about it. And if you're able to do that, if you're able to communicate honestly and transparently then the client will probably let you have the time you need and you can grow with that client. So I, I just see that a lot. I see that as a challenge a lot of virtual assistants have, especially new ones, as they're trying to get used to adjusting their lifestyle to be, mm-hmm. be there every day for that client. Yeah. So I have a friend, like, this a question to you also then, like, she is, you know, most of my friends, like, they are really... Um, they are really sum up for the client, but the client paid them a lot, but they don't, they are not happy anymore. Like it's really toxic. Like um, it always, even in off or sun, Saturday and Sunday, the client always messaged them, but they can let go because the salary is good. So what is your advice for that? Right. So um, I say this a lot. Um, sometimes as a VA, you have to fire the client. Um, and you shouldn't do that, you know, unless you, you really can't take it anymore. And or you shouldn't take it anymore. And there's a fine line between um, a, a client that wants you to optimize their time and, and their ROI. You know, they're paying for you to do something and they want to see, see you do it. Um, versus clients that are mean, that are taking advantage of the VA, that are they're toxic themselves. Sometimes it's hard to tell up front early on that they're a bad client. But once you get to that point where you tell your friends and your family that, that I just, this guy's crazy, he's making me work odd hours, it's not what we agreed to, then you have to think about maybe that I shouldn't keep working for this client forever because the client's not respecting me. That's one of the things I really, really work with with my clients and my VAs is that we really try to make sure that when the client allocates a time for the VA to work and makes a list of the skills and the tasks and the duties for that VA, that we stick to it. Um, It's easy 
for a freelancer, especially to go get dragged sideways because the client keeps taking and taking and taking more of their time without, you know, being realistic or compensating them fairly. So it's a challenge, but the better, the, the more experience you get as a VA, the better you get at knowing when to, okay, client, I'm done with you. Yeah, important is peace of mind, right? When we're exactly. clients. Exactly. So, um, Dan, I know you've been this in business for 10 years or decades now. So, mm-hmm. what is your biggest advice for those young entrepreneurs or freelancers that, you know, just started, you know, how to make a better decisions in life, especially? Um, they are VA, so sometimes being VA or freelance don't have a balance in life. So what would be your, you know, advice for them? So if, if you're thinking like an entrepreneur, um, the first thing you need to do is look at the data. Look at the competitive landscape. Look at what you're trying to accomplish and ask yourself, is what I want to do as a business realistic? Is, do I have a pipeline to work? Are, am I going to be able to find enough clients? Am I going to be able to consistently um, have meet payroll? Am I going to be able to grow a business that way? And if the answer is maybe or you're not sure, then you probably aren't ready to launch that business. Um, but if you answer those questions beforehand, then you'll be much more successful. However, you, you still may fail. And the most important skill of any entrepreneur, I think, is getting up after you get knocked down you're going to fail and you're going to learn from every failure. Um, So look at the data, understand the landscape, you know, look at your end goal and, you know, be willing to take a chance. And if you fail, get up and try again. Okay. um, Let's talk about passion. Like, Mm -hmm. is it necessary that, you know, about passion, like, is it necessary that um, being VA or being freelancer, you need to have passion for it. You need, to be dedicated for it. Like, you know, being freelancer VA is a lot of money. That's why many people or new VAs really, um, really want to become a VA because of money. So the question is like, is it really something that you need to be passionate of? Like, you know, being a virtual assistant, love, love to work with these clients, love to work for this, you know, this business of these clients. Um, yes and no. And let me say the no part first, right? You don't have to have passion if you're trying to pay your bills. Sometimes you just got to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the case is you're going to become a virtual assistant to make money, um, to be able to pay your bills and help your family and, and do what you need to do. Um, sometimes you just, you got to do the grunt work. You got to do the stuff you don't love. Um, not everybody is going to be able to, every time, find a job that feeds their passion. There are 7 billion people on this planet. Um, and if every one of those 7 billion people did exactly what they wanted to do, we wouldn't have anybody picking up the garbage. We wouldn't have anybody, you know, cleaning toilets. I mean, no one wants to do certain things. But sometimes to pay the bills, you have to do those things. So as a VA, if you're new especially, or if you're really driven primarily by you got to make as much money as you can in the near future then you have to put your passion aside sometimes. But within a year or two, you need to be able to, to ask yourself, okay, I've done this for a while now. Can I, can I figure out what I'm best at? Can I take my passion and then navigate my career in that direction? A goal of every 
home-based person, every virtual assistant, every freelancer should be to get to that sweet spot in life where you're good at something, you love to do it, and people will pay you for it. So this is where I talk about leaning into your genius. What are you best at? If you're best at video editing and you're good at graphic design and you're good at, at lead generation, but you don't love them, then over time, try to take more and more jobs that are just video editing. And the better you get at it, most likely, in theory, you should be able to charge more for it. And once you get to a point where you can charge more for it, then you can decide, do I want to charge even more? Do I want to open up my own agency and do more of this? Do I want to replicate myself? But the bottom line is, is, is you really want to make sure that as a VA, um, you just know where you're going. You know, if you show up every day because you need to make money, do it. If you have a goal to do something for a year or two until you can get to your passion, then be patient, be persistent. A problem a lot of people have is like they don't, they don't love what they do and they quit, they go, they walk away um, in a way that doesn't actually bring any closure. Um, that's not a good thing for your career and, and that's not a good thing to build a resume on. So anyway. Correct. Um, let's wrap up to this last <clears throat> question. Then. Sure. So this is the last question. This is a nice question. I think these will be interested in this. So how to deal a difficult client, a toxic client? <laughs> right. So, you know, th- this is a good question. I mean, and it comes up a lot. And, and most people have had difficult clients. Most people that have been a VA for a while can tell you that when you have a toxic client, you have to ask yourself, do I stick with it for the money? Or can I afford to walk away from this client and look for another client? Ideally, you're, you have another client ready to replace the one you walk away from. But you have to recognize that most small business owners, 80% are going to fail. It's just math, simple math, right? So if you are a freelancer working predominantly for small businesses, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people that do some kind of online selling or they're into you know business coaching and it's just them and their business and they hire you to manage their social media or edit their videos, four out of five of them are going to fail. So even the best people that are great at what they do often fail because maybe not the best at managing their own business. Maybe they don't manage their money very well. And those are things that a VA may never see. So you have to kind of be ready for that. So when you think about getting rid of a toxic client, um, the grass isn't always greener. So whenever possible, give yourself a deadline. I'm going to work for this client for three months or until I find a better client. So every day that VA needs to be looking for another client to replace the one they're about ready to let go, which most of us just don't do. We don't have that mindset to think that far ahead. We're all stressed out and tired and toxic because of the client. We don't have time in our minds to go look for a job while we still have a job. So all that aside, if you have a toxic client, you should decide again what you want to tolerate, but no client has the right to be mean to you, to bully you, to be racist towards you, to do anything um, that makes you feel less than worth what you're worth. Um, And as much as possible, when you identify those clients, you, you, you walk away from them. Perfect. Um, thank you so much for those answers, Dan. 
um i just want to ask as well uh the what is the name of your you know agency so that people will know sure. what is your agency and then what what would be um what would be th- those agency that can help those new VAs what is you know what would be the best way to contact you how they can they can contact you so please Sure. So the best way is is to find us on Facebook, Sonic VA, S O N I C VA. Um, you can go through our website, but it's not very updated. We basically do ninety plus percent of our business through Facebook. Um, the good thing, if you're a Filipino virtual assistant, is there are a limitless number of groups on Facebook for VAs. Um, so join a few of those. Um, you'll find me and my team on those a lot, talking about stuff, posting stuff. I actually employ a couple of VAs doing our social media um, so that we have a presence on different platforms, but look up Sonic VA, or if, if you really want to get some insight from me, um, you can go to my YouTube channel, just take, type in Dan Mayer, virtual staffing expert. And when you type in my name, there'll be three types of people that pop up. You'll see videos from Dan Mayer, the sword swallower. That's obviously not me. Dan Mayer, the professional baseball player, that's not me. And Dan Mayer, <laughs> virtual staffing expert, that's me. So look for me on YouTube if you really want to get more insight. Um, and I can't always get back to everyone right away. Um, but if you want a response right away, go to our Sonic VA Facebook page, send us a message through there. And one of my team will make sure that they, they get your message to me. Okay. Thank you so much for that um, wonderful um testimonies answers then so guys um it's my pleasure yeah guys if you're interested more um you're gonna have much more podcast podcast next month with dan mayer and then on december 18 and 19 he will come to davao and mati to 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 have us a conference so see you soon and i hope you know we can get you there thank you so much Dan Mayer for this wonderful day. I hope I know you're so busy, but you take time for this. Thank you, thank you so much. See you soon. My pleasure. Yep. Have a blessed day. Bye bye.